On today's episode of Sports and the World, Chris and I discuss more NFL free agency, quarterbacks Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, Chris's corner and Brown's big picture, and so much more. That's today on Sports and the World. And welcome into Sports and the world, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcast, or Spotify, we both truly do appreciate whenever and however you're listening. And how are you going, my man? I'm slowly going crazy. Day number whatever of quarantine and chill. And uh, starting to feel like Will Smith and I am a legend, man. I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to start hunting deer in the middle of the street in my neighborhood. Strive <laughs> around in a Mustang. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of stir crazy and a lot of you know a, a lot of stuff is going on. Like I said, I've been reading. You know, people. Some people. You know, like I said, I work at home already, so I'm kind of. But now that I have, I know that I can't go anywhere at all. Pretty much, it's like it's like panic room, but but with better acting. But don't boo, folks. Don't move. You watch the movie like, oh, he's right. But anyway, but a lot to get to, you know, coming up, you guys are looking forward to Chris's Corner, my big picture, Jameis and Cam. But first, we're going to kick off and talk about more of the NFL free agency and the what's going on. A lot happened since the last time we spoke. So any thoughts, on Chris, any of the moves that the uh, any thoughts? Ah, you know, unfortunately, I saw it coming. Um, the New York Jets have the team management capability of uh, of a monkey fucking a football, and uh, our only good stable offensive target is now gone. You know, the Carolina Panthers picked up Robbie Anderson, uh, signing him on a two year, twenty million dollar deal. I'm happy to. Uh, to see Robbie Anderson go and probably be able to win more games and get more exposure and become, uh, in sense, a better player. It sucks that <laughs> it had to happen to the Jets, but that's that's where we are as a team at this point. Um, on the backside of that, we actually signed Brashad Perriman, uh from what the, he he came from Tampa, did he not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the he was the third guy in Tampa. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I had a minor brain fart there, but uh, we signed him on a one year, eight million dollar deal with six million guarantees. So maybe just like a trial run. Um, hopefully, if we draft some uh, some some linemen to protect Arnold in the pocket, so he doesn't get hit as soon as the ball is snapped to him, um, that would be nice. And then maybe I don't know, get Le'Veon Bell and the rest of it. Team involved that we'd spent all this money on and have had nothing to show for. Um, that that was an interesting move. The one that really caught my eye was yesterday. Uh, um, the Jaguars signing Tyler Eifert from uh, from Cincinnati. That one that one really threw me for a loop because you already got Cincinnati. It's essentially uh, an abandoned ship protocol right now. Um, they're noticeably done with uh, with Dalton. Definitely going to draft a quarterback. Probably end up with Burrow. 
Um, to your question mark is AJ Green. Is he going to stay? Um, what's what's his deal? But uh, Eifert was kind of the only stable that offensive tool that that Dalton or whoever could really throw to to at least get the ball up the field a couple yards. Uh, he's a great tight end. I mean, he was a uh, uh, he was that he was a first round pick uh, when Cincinnati picked him up, and I mean he's. He's done good, but you know maybe this is something that could potentially help the Jaguars. Their their tight end core has not been very tight um, over the past couple of years, um, and you know this is also another uh, another tool for uh, for Minshew Madness down there in Jacksonville to throw to um, for you know maybe them them short yardage gains that uh, you know that they might be able to attain. Um, really not. I don't want to say too many big, big move. Of course, Marcus Mariota going to the Raiders. Uh, did you see the comment that he said that he was going to be uh, Derek Carr's backup? I, I I did see that. And to me, that was very interesting. I, yeah, I, so what, what, what's, your, what's your take on it? I want to hear your take before I give mine. For what I took away from what I heard Marcus Mariota say, I think, when I think when I saw when I when I heard him say it, I said the one the first thing that came to my head is like, I think that by him coming out and saying that he's the backup, he's trying to quiet the noise, meaning that everybody when people saw this son, he's like, oh, people, Derek Carr is one foot out the door, and but by him coming out and publicly saying, look, I'm the backup, it does two things. I think it kind of it kind of squelches whatever rumors. Whether people, because in my opinion, I agree with Marcus Mariota. Because given the numbers, Derek Carr should be the starter. But I do believe, but we all know who's coaching the Raiders. And and what I do know is is that the one thing I know about John Gruden is is that listen, him and quarterbacks, it's like a toy factory to him. <laughs> He, and, I, I, that is the truth, and he he had a hard on for Mariota. I remember going into the draft, he rode the Mariota Express hard. He he liked him, and and because like I say, you know, would you know John Gruden loves quarterbacks. I've never seen him develop a good one. So leave your comments on the Facebook page because, like, like show me a quarterback where he developed. But I'm not going to get into that. But to finish the point. What I took away from Marcus Mariota's comment is simply this. I do believe that Marcus Mariota understands the fact that he's the backup. I think when you give someone like the two-year, you know, 17, it's not the realm of possibility he's the backup because look at Case Keenum in Cleveland. He took a three-year, $18 million deal. He took a similar deal to what Mariota did to back up Baker Mayfield. I think that at the end of the day, Chris, I do believe, but what I also believe, Chris, is this. If the Raiders struggle, John Gruden, you know, you're know, like someone who's it's kind of like in Carlito's way, kind of like Sean Penn, kind of tweakish. He'll pull the trigger on Marcus Mariota if the Raiders start to struggle. But I think Mariota understands that if he can't be successful here, Chris, where, where else can he go? Yeah, I, uh, I I definitely can can agree with that. Um, I think this is Mariota's 
the rise or or fall of him. Um, secretly, you know damn well this guy is just chomping at the bit, waiting for Derek Carr to to take a seat and just completely shit the bed. Which I just I don't know if it's like a curse for his family in the NFL because I remember his brother didn't do too great of a job in Houston either. Um, and uh, you know, in Mariota, uh, he brings a dynamic. He's a little bit more mobile, I think, than Carr. But, but my question is: is do the Las Vegas Raiders have a team built for mobile? I mean, honestly, the first question: do they have a team built for a quarterback? That's that's the most important question that I think we have to ask ourselves at this point. Is can Oakland or excuse me, can Las Vegas effectively protect a quarterback? Because I think that's a lot of Derek Carr's issues is that he's making such rash decisions because he's got two and a half seconds by the time the ball snapped to him to pull up, do his three-step drop, assess every single receiver in their route, and then dump it off before he gets you know splattered into the uh, into the turf. So uh, with with Mariota, he's a little bit more um, mobile. And I don't think he's wishing ill will on on Derek Carr, but you can bet your top dollar that he's going to give it all 110% in practice. And the moment that uh, that Carr messes up, you know damn well that Mariota will, uh, hey, put me in, coach. And then you might see the, uh, the official end of Derek Carr in the NFL. To probably become nothing more than a – a backup kind of like uh, uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll maybe go to a couple teams, have a good season, get traded, shit the bed, get traded. Um, um, uh, Josh McCowan, you know, maybe become like some type of veteran trainer, but his chances, I think, of staying as a starter will will diminish uh, on that one. So, well, I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Um, no, just the whole organization moving out to to Vegas. I'm I'm really curious about that and to see what what Raider Nation does uh, for them. Uh, the other one, if you saw, um, Tampa Bay is just doing Tampa Bay things. They kept uh, the Dominican Sue. They put him on a on a one year deal for eight million dollars. I think they closed that earlier today. Um, so that's a a very interesting keep on defense because he Tampa. Tampa's defense was stellar. They had a great pass rush um, last season, and I think Sue had a um, a vital part into that. So I think if Tampa can stay with the same defensive consistency that they had, and then also all, all the addition offensively with with uh, Brady and all the moves that they're making there, that could be uh, that could be interesting. Um, you know, a few other ones. I'm kind of just going through my notes. Um, mostly a lot of Defensive players have been getting re-signed. Then I saw Green Bay added Devin Funchess uh, from the Colts uh, into into the old Lambeau field. I find that one interesting. Um, but you know, I'm I'm curious to see because he suffered a severe clavicle injury last season, if I remember correctly. Right? Then he bust his collarbone. Yeah, in like week, a week one or week two game. Yeah, week one versus the Chargers, I believe. Okay. All right. So. I'm sure he's back to 100% strength. Aaron Rodgers will have another tool to throw to. Um, it seems that Rodgers definitely isn't slowing down, even despite his age. Um, and, and we'll just—I'm well, curious to see what's uh, what else has happened. We still got a long way before the draft. 
Um, so we just got to sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, the only other one I guess I want to touch on right quick is uh, just the news, the unconfirmed reports that, you know, Carolina is expected to release Cam Newton. I think we saw that coming mm-hmm. um, with them signing a three-year, $63 million deal with uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and then, of course, the addition of, a, of an amazing receiver and in, in Robbie Anderson. Um I I think I think number one the NFC East or excuse me the NFC South is going to be a scary place to be a quarter or just to be a player in because you've got New Orleans that is just always a consistent team you now have Tom Brady in Tampa you've got uh, Atlanta that's trying to to stay afloat make moves I know your Dirty Birds are trying um, and then. Now you have Carolina that, that are kind of trimming the fat off the meat, I guess we can say, and, and investing into a quarterback, investing into a receiver. And Carolina was already a, a studly team to begin. I mean, honestly, just with Christian McCaffrey, you have so much opportunity. So now you have a super mobile quarterback with a, a, a one five five howitzer cannon for an arm to double back on a super mobile wide out with great receivers. Uh, you know, that's a scary division, man. Right. Right, right now, at, like this very second, not based on the draft or trades, just free agency and what's going on right now. I think that division has made probably the most significant impact in the free agency. What do you think? You know, I, I, I do. And I, the, the one thing I want to circle back to, the Robbie Anderson signing. I, I think that's a it's a very good given the price that they paid for it's a very good deal. Listen, you know, here's the thing with Robbie Anderson. Like overall like pro football focus, they rank players you know, they rank the players positionally. And like in terms of free agency, Robbie Anderson was the nineteenth best overall free agent out there. And receivers he was like top so that lets me know and you got him at two years, twenty million. And listen, here here's another stat I like about Robbie Anderson. Like since 2016, he was a, he's 11th in the league in deep receiving yards. He can get down the field. And, he and mind you, this is with a rookie quarterback, a broken Josh McCowan, and, and a Patrick that was on like the downward slope on his way out the door. Exactly, and 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 that's what made that that <laughs> that's what make this. It's like he did it with Larry Curley and Mo at quarterback. And, <laughs> And essentially, you know, he ended up in the top 15 in deep receiving yards. That, that to me, Chris, shows that, listen, people who say the receiver position, oh, it's based on the quarterback, I think it's garbage. If a quarterback with his weight in gold, his weight in salt, excuse me, can throw a ball down the field, a great receiver will make the catch. Oh, and absolutely. I, and I think Robbie Anderson did that. And what I like what they're doing in Carolina Matt Rule, and remember, I used to talk about Baylor a lot during college football season. I talked about Baylor and how close they were in a lot of football games. Matt Rule, and then he gets Joe Brady. Chris, Carolina could be one of those teams that, like, look, they went out and got a great receiver. They went and got their franchise quarterback. They got arguably the best running back in football. Defensively, it's called the draft. In a, yep. in a defensive-heavy draft, they're going to go defense. And and like I said, as far as my Falcons go, you know, listen, getting Todd Gurley, that's great. But I still question, is he, is he healthy? 
I do. I question that. And then, you know, we trade a second round pick for a tight end who was hurt. So we don't know what was Hayden Hurst. And I'm like, we, we might finish fourth in this division by just proxy. Like, but you guys got Dante Fowler. Yeah, but do you see who's in Tampa now? Do you yeah, see? Tampa's a scary team right now. That is a team that you got to just sit back and and just see if it unfurls itself. I mean, two things happen. I mean, will it will it fall to pieces or will it thrive? And I mean, I think it's going to be very dependent on some of the the picks that they get in the draft, uh, and then if they also have any more cap room to make any type of. Uh, uh, movements, you know, in the free agency. But, I mean, Tampa Bay, I think, is, and as much, and see, this is where I'm not, I'm not riding Brady, and I know I busted his balls for many, many years, and then especially now, since we're doing this, I, I rode him pretty hard last year. Like, like I said, I think it was last week, this is going to be Brady's defining moment to neither say, I am a great quarterback and I am the GOAT, or am I a system quarterback that everything was catered to me that I just was able to put the ball down the field? Um, but with the moves that Tampa's making right now, I mean, they could go from a 7-9 and nine team, I would say, to an easy, you know, 10-6. and six. I, I honestly I, – I, I truly think that at right now Tampa could, could win the division and get a playoff seat even over uh, – Carolina right now, just because the Tampa Bay, I think defensively is just a little bit better stacked out than than Carolina. Now, if Carolina gets in the draft, makes some great moves and and does that, and then you know maybe picks up a couple people on the wire, then we can start seeing some stuff. But uh, it, it you're, yeah, that that division right now is is not the cakewalk that I think it was last season. And then in the retrospect, I think my division, the AFC East, it's up for grabs because you've got a hungry Miami who's doing everything they can to to put themselves back on on the pedestal that they that they think they're on. I think that Rome has fallen. I think that the, uh, New England has left the building. I don't even see them being a playoff contender at all. Not a wild card. No, I think they. I think they are done. I know all, all the New England fans are probably shitting their little panties right now, but they're gone. Who do they have? Edelman? That's it. You know, uh, uh, James White? You know, I mean, the guy, I mean, you you lost the main piece of that systematic offense. I don't think that they're going to be the same, you know, coming out of this. Um, they lost more than they gained. And it, it, whether it's people or finance or anything, if I take away more than what I'm putting in, you always end up at a negative variance. Am I right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's basic math. And, and then with the Bill, I think the Bills are going to be the uh, the team to beat in the AFC East. I think right now they're the number one team. Um, but I think, you know, it's still young and it's still very, very early to start making these, these wild-ass assumptions. But... Um. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. You know, I and I, I, I want to, I want to piggyback to your point you made about the AFC East, and then cover a couple more things before we transition to Jameis and Cam. 
I want to talk about you, the AFC East. And I've been reading a lot saying that they're saying, oh, New England's tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And, and Chris, I, I just don't see Bill Belichick as a dude who tanks. He doesn't give off that he's tanking for a quarterback. I, I truly think he's done after this season. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's my point. Here's the thing. Here's a theory, Chris. And see, you know, here's a theory I have. And our buddy Derek, he was talking about a video that, well, you know, the quarterbacks that can come after Brady. And that, and I don't remember, I said Jared Stenham. I don't recall, I said it then. Hmm. I, said, I, said, I said Jared Stenham's going to be the quarterback right. of this football team. And, and people said, you know, why? Listen, Belichick, I tr- Belichick is system. Some teams are system-based. It's just, you know, like a good company, it runs a system. Like, there's a reason why certain companies last 150 years and why some don't last 150 days. There's, it's, yeah. you'd have a system. And I believe the New England system is this. I knew Brady wasn't going back to New England because Belichick want, Belichick's like this, I don't care. Like, Belichick can go and tank this year and Josh McDaniels or whoever else I think might be the coach in waiting, take the job. It's yours. Because Jared's, I'm not saying Jared Stem's going to be terrible, Chris, but the reason why I said at the time, because I'm like, look at the options. New England does not splurge. They don't spend a lot of money. And what position commands a lot of money? The quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Like, like, they, like they, they, they were not willing to give Brady $30 million a year. What makes people think that, oh, they're going to go out and – no. I, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. Chris, they went and got Brian Hoyer. So do you think they go after – yeah, I was going to say, so do you think they just sit with Hoyer for a little bit and just kind of roll, roll with him? Uh, I think that coming out of camp, it's going to be telling. It's going to be Stenham versus Hoyer for the job. If Brian Hoyer wins the job, Chris, I know they're tanking. Then I'll come back around and say maybe these guys are tanking because they let Philip Dorsett leave, they let Kyle, they let dudes leave the building, Chris. Like like you say, it's just Edelman. Edelman's like that scene in First Prince, like Will Smith is in the, he's in the living room, he's in, and he's in the empty living room, and he's looking around like where'd everybody? He went out for like ten, he went out and got him a soda. He came back, everything's gone. So in my opinion, Chris, if Jared Stenham gets the job, I think they're trying to compete for next year. But if they get Brian Hoyer, you know, they're, they're, they're tanking. And, and and speaking of tanking, teams, you know, teams that are, who I thought were tanking. But listen, Cleveland, Chris, Cleveland got better this offseason. They got Austin Hooper, who used to play for Atlanta. He's the highest paid tight end, and that's going to change with Kelsey or Kittles. That's going to change, folks. And they went and got offensive lineman Jack Conklin from Tennessee, who was a big part of Derrick Henry creating that those run get those run blocks? My biggest thing is Chris is, is that I want to talk about Cleveland. I know I'm well liked in Cleveland, so because I you know I I think I've said nice things about Cleveland. I think we could pull up records. I've said nice things. Yeah, we yeah, yeah we haven't picked on them too bad. Yeah, so I I think I've said nice things. Like you, you can run the you can run the tape, but what I will say about Cleveland. What I will say about the AFC North before we transition, Chris, is simply this. 
Cincinnati's, you know, Cincinnati's rebuilding. I think that Baltimore's the cream of the crop in that division. Cleveland could. Once again, Chris, we're stuck with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And and if I'm Cleveland, I don't want to hear Super Bowl. You chumps couldn't get to the playoffs. So, <laughs> like, 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 don't, like, folks, don't celebrate. Don't go so you're going to buy a car when you don't even have the, no, stop. We haven't gone to the dealership. Just, just stop. And speaking of things stopping, let's transition to Jameis and Cam. A couple of things stopped. Listen, Cam Newton era stopped in Carolina. Jameis Winston era stopped in Tampa. And for the record, I felt Jameis should have stayed in Tampa. So, but I'm not his agent. But, you know, I think we both can agree that I think that was the best fit because he's not going to even be 30 in two years. So sit and wait, take a check, eat all the crab legs you want for two years. And and you'll be fine. But and what 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 do we know? But but the reason why I want to talk about Cam versus uh, Cam versus Jameis is Chris. These are former number one overall picks. Yeah. yeah. And and what if somebody told you that oh at some point you'd have two number one overall pick quarterbacks available. And I want to get, I have my thoughts on it. But give me your thoughts on, you know, Jameis and Cam, who's better. And just give me your thoughts on them. You know, um, when you say, would you, would you think about it? I would say, yeah. I think more times than not, we start seeing these elite first round, first overall picks that just kind of get, get the sidelined, you know, and um, the NFL is a whole different game from, from college ball. Um, both of them were outright stellar in, in the league um, collegiately. And I think also in the NFL, um, I think they both had their uh, uh, performance issues and their shortcomings, but I think also they both had, fairly stellar records for completion percentages and, and so on and so forth. You know, when you start lining up the two of them, um, you know, first and foremost, it's a little bit of a, an unfair advantage because Cam Newton does, you know, also has, you know, four years more in the league experience than, uh, you know, than what Jameis does. Um, both of them, came from elite programs. Uh, Jameis coming from Florida State, winning a national title, and uh, Cam Newton coming from Auburn, winning a national title. So, you know, it's it's a... Um, uh, it's an interesting situation between the, the dynamic of each of them. Um, definitely, I think, overall, I think at one point, Cam was the... Uh, the better player between the two statistically cam has great footwork, uh, great arm strength. He can run, he can pass. And I think he has good field vision. Um, Jameis has a great arm, 
running, I, I don't. He, he he was more of a pocket quarterback, and I and that and that's nothing against him at all. Oh yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, that yeah. you know, it's just that where where we sit and uh, as, as a quarterback, you you have those types. Um, now the and of course, I would say that Janus had great field vision, but we know that was a lie up until a few weeks ago when he got LASIK. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll help him. I mean, you know that that could honestly be like I remember back in the day for a long time, there was a bunch of us that would get together on Thanksgiving. Uh, this is years ago when I lived in Florida, and uh, we'd get together on Thanksgiving and we'd do a pickup football game in uh, uh, at the Palm Bay Regional Park all the way at the end of Malabar Road. It was a whole group of us who grew up together, just family members, things like that. And, uh, I mean, we'd essentially be out there playing like a nine-on-nine tackle game. Um, It was was fun. I had so much fun doing it. But I could definitely tell when I had to make that transition from wearing glasses just for driving and reading to I'm going to need them every day of my life, literally on the field there. Um, I I, I was honestly – you know, I – uh, I I had a I'm by no means a collegiate or NFL level quarterback, but I I think anyone that played with us can contest that I have quite an arm on me, and um you know so I would be out there gunslinging it, and I, I'm not gonna lie I would have a hard time on some of those fast reads just trying to make eye contact with receivers or on the long bombs trying to judge distance. So I mean I feel you, Jameis. Man, it sucks when your eyes are trash, but uh you know um. Well, the situation they're both in, I think both organizations realize that they just weren't the fit. Um, I think Cam Newton, and I, and I was actually thinking about this when we were doing our, our prep work yesterday. Um, you know who Cam reminds me of? Who's that? Grant Hill. He, Grant Hill, I think could have been, or Tracy McGrady, or Penny Hardaway. All three great NBA borderline legends that I think got taken away from the sport too early due to injury and due to mental, I don't want to say mental weakness, because uh, that, that's that's a whole different subject. But I, I think Cam Newton is his, he's his own worst enemy, I think, in a lot of ways mentally. Because if you remember early in his career, uh, I want to say it was like the 2012 season. He about had a mental breakdown, if I recall. Um, yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, that season. Yeah, that season. I think it was he went seven and nine. Uh, um, his completion percentage was well under sixty percent. Uh, he didn't crack a four thousand yard season. Um, his, his TD to interception ratio wasn't great. <laughs> Um, but you know, he was, he was still out there just running the ball as, as much as he could. But the problem was is that he just mentally, I don't think he was equipped for the NFL and the pressures and everything that it builds on. Cause I think that he had such a, a, I don't want to say a, a cakewalk because the SEC is not a cakewalk, but I think he had it made in Auburn, yeah. got to the I, NFL. Yeah. And I think they realized that your first season in the NFL as a starting quarterback is going to suck regardless. I don't care what team you are on, who you are. Uh, you don't, you don't as a rookie take a team and go to the Super Bowl because normally if you're playing as a rookie, your team ain't going to the Super Bowl, bud. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but you have 
he had that mental breakdown and I, I don't think it, it left him. And then it just seemed that year after year, uh, injuries started become a little bit more prevalent. Um, I think it really started showing in 2018. He only played 14 games. And then um, in 2019, of course, he played two games the whole season. And then the rest of the time, he just he, he sat on the bench. Um, but then again, he had a season like he did in 2015 that, you know, they won, you know, uh, 15 and one. Yeah. You that know, was, that, was, that was MVP year. Yeah. You know, selected pro bro, first team, all pro, um, you know, I mean, his completion percentage was a little under 60%. It was 59.8. Um, but his TD to interception ratio was 35 to 10. I mean, that's like Madden numbers. I, like those are the kind of numbers you put up in Madden as you're playing a quarterback. Um, I mean, you know, he game winning drives. He had four that, that season that he like come from behind wins at, he literally shouldered it on his back and then just, you know, I mean, there's no doubt that he's athletic, but when I, when I transition and I say that it reminds me of Grant Hill or, or Penny or Tracy McGrady, he, he's going to be plagued with injury. I, I think that his Superman syndrome of just going in there and barreling in and head first, I think finally caught up with him. Um, I'm curious to see where he's going to go. I don't know teams that really, I don't want to say need him, but want him, you know, want his antics, you know, his, his, his press conferences and all the weird shit he does. Um, or his, you know, where, where he's at mentally, you know, this, the, him being cut from a team, where does this sit him mental health wise? You know, this, this is, I think, uncharted territory for him because he's so used to being wanted, uh, not being wanted, but being, uh, valued, I guess you can say, and it's just been kind. Of, I think it's been a slippery slope since that 2015 season. You know, he came back in 16, they won six and eight. Then 17, they won 11 and five. He had a better season. Um, you know, and then in 18, they were, you know, six and eight, and then they were 0 and two when uh, when he was you know at the helm in 09 before they they you know finally threw him to the bench due to injury. But I want to say that the 2018 season, they lost like the last eight games in a row, didn't they? Or it was yeah. something, I mean, they were like yeah, the last yeah. six or something. Yeah, and it was then the first two of the 19 season. Yeah, they, they, they slid significantly. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, you know, part of that, when you start running analytics and you start looking at a, at, at a quarterback, you have to look at the whole team, the whole offense. You have to look at the running backs. You have to look at the the wide outs and the line. And Cam, I think, had all of those things. He had an offensive line. They went 15-1. and one. You don't do that by accident. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, um, he, he had Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he had uh, just a slew of people under him. And it just it it just didn't work for him. And then you know now to to negate over to Jameis Winston. Um, so he came into the league, you know, you know as a rookie uh, in, in 2015, uh, national champion in the NCAA under Florida State. Um, and, and he got you know his first year he was selected for the Pro Bowl. That's not a feat that uh, a rookie quarterback 
let alone just any quarterback in general, you know, gets gets pulled into. Um, I think one of his problems with with Winston is just his overall um, just his personal situation. He got into trouble. What was it? Twenty eighteen. He only played nine games that season because he was serving a suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at and you look at the record too. I mean, he's not a five hundred quarterback. You know, overall, he's twenty eight and forty two um, in the NFL. Um, now he's got great yard. I mean, he's almost at twenty thousand yards in his sixth season coming up here. I mean, he'll probably crack twenty thousand yards the game one of uh, if he gets a starting job potentially in the next season. However, he did break 5,000 yards last season. He threw for, you know, a little over 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, but he threw for 30 interceptions. That negates, and if you start looking at those 30 interceptions, how many of those 30 interceptions were were pick sixes or they ended up scoring on that drive? And then when you start affecting that score, you start looking at, okay, well, where was Tampa Bay on the scoreboard when, when he made that error? And then you look at their their record last year at 7-9. and nine. How many of those games could have been preventable losses if he didn't throw those pick sixes or pick those, those picks that resulted in points on the board? Could they have been 8-8? Eight and eight? Could they have been 10-6? and six? Could they have been 15-1? and one? You know, the, the, you know, you got you got to look at those things. Um, he doesn't. I don't want to say he his his you know his quarterback rating was kind of fluctuating between the high fifties to high sixties throughout his uh, you know throughout his career thus far. You know, also the other thing that you got to look at is that you look at how many times he got sacked mm-hmm. in, in per year, and his average probably sat at high 20s, you know. Uh, just a quick look at it. His first year, he got sacked 27 times. 2016, he got hit 35 times. 17, he got sacked 33 times. And 18, he got sacked 27 times. And 19, the poor guy got sacked 47 times. Yeah. So, I mean, his sacks uh, almost doubled from 18 to 19 in, in the season. So I'm wondering... See with Win- with with Cam Newton, I th- think it's more of a personal problem with him of his personal underperformances, and I, and I think a lot of it has due to injury, and I think that he might have been injured more than he wanted to admit to, and I think again the, the Grant we'll, we'll call it the Grant Hill syndrome. You know, maybe we just made a we just coined something here. Who knows? Um, you know, but you got you got a guy who. Uh, I think is his own worst enemy and will he'll be his own downfall. And then with Winston, on the other hand, I think that his problem is he not have a good offensive line to protect him. And I think the answer is no, that he didn't. And that, you know, of course, circumvents back to Tom Brady. J- Jameis Winston is in his early twenties. Tom Brady's in his early forties, you know, um, can Brady take? Can Brady be hit forty? You know, take forty-seven sacks in a season. Now that's just how many times you've been planted your ass on the ground with the ball in your hand. How about all the extra hits that you get, or that that split-second hit that as you're releasing, you get that. What, what's the NFL rule? Is it a two-step that uh, you get one step or two steps after the ball's left the hand of the quarterback to yeah. try to stop yourself? Um, yeah, yeah. I you think know, it's, I think it's how many of those. 
Okay. You know, how many of those hits did Winston take season on top of those 47 sacks? But even let's just say 47 total sacks. Let's just say he only got hit 47 times. I don't think Brady got hit 47 times last year. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, so so I'm wondering where we are uh, on this with Winston is I, I think Winston is a, a, a product of circumstance and, and the lack thereof. I mean, Winston had tools. Like I said, I know you kind of looked at me in a strange way when we talked about him having arguably the best duo of receivers in the NFL with uh, with Godwin and Evans. I know you kind of you kind of scoffed at me about it. Well, I, well, uh, I, I didn't necessarily I, I didn't scoff, but when we look at duos, like I, I think that, and I'll let you get back to your point on. But I, I I said I said to myself I said to to I don't think they're the best duo. Do do I believe that they're uh, yeah. I think that, look, when I look at Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, listen, that division is full of great receivers. So it's it's very hard for me because when you said it, I I scoffed not in the negative way, but I scoffed in the way like if if they put up similar numbers, and they'll probably put up better numbers because they're going to try to do everything to make Brady look good. If they put up the same type of numbers they did, yeah, I think we could put them into put them definitely into the conversation. But uh, I'll let you continue with your point, sir. Um, yeah, no, no, no problem, man. I um, like I said, I who's now to say who's better? You know, I don't know. Uh, part of me, I want to say, you know, Cam Newton because he's gone to the Super Bowl and. But then the other part of me is that Winston got spent more time on his ass, I think, than anything, but still threw for 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns, you know. Um, and, and if you look at the stats be- between the two, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, there's not a lot of times that uh, Cam Newton was throwing 30-plus touchdowns. Uh, he only did it – well, I mean, they both only did it once, I guess, but uh, – you know, so I guess I really can't argue that point. Um, but I don't. I think. I, I think if I if they're both healthy, I'll say that Cam Newton's better because he has that uh, that mobile attribute that I don't think Winston had. Cam Newton can run, and and there's no disputing that. And I think he can run better than Winston, but I think Winston has a he's more dangerous on the long ball. You, you give Winston a guy like Robbie Anderson or Tyreek Hill that you just essentially look at him, give him the, the, the nod, and then just let them run a, a, a post route down the field, Winston will have the ball there waiting for him. I don't think Newton has that kind of arm strength that Winston has, but I think the overall, when you start factoring into it, Winston, or, uh, Newton has the edge due to the running. Um, and again, is it a product of circumstance? You know, um, time will tell with both of these guys. I, I promise both of these guys will find new homes. Um, there are still some teams that are going to need a quarterback. Um, you know, I, I can think of 
the the Chargers since they got rid of Philip Rivers have they made any type of quarterback moving yet? My whole theory is I think I said it last week. I think I remember I talked about Tyrod Taylor last week. Yeah, I, I think that's the answer. I think it's the smart answer, and it's the logical answer. I I don't see me personally. I just don't see them given that they're in a position to get a Justin Herbert or Tua. I just don't see them risking getting a Cam or a Jameis, not because of talent, but because of potentially how much they're asking. Because the longer something sits on the shelf, Chris, it devalues. So, Yeah, no, 100%. So I, my whole thing is that, you know, and I have a, I, I have a theory. Of, you know, I, I, you know like, I, I have a prediction where I think they're going to go. But I'll let you wrap up your point on uh, Cam versus uh, Jameis. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, if I had to choose one, right, honestly, if I was if I was a team owner and I choose between the two of them, I would go with Jameis Winston due to the lack of injury. Winston's biggest problem has been his attitude and all of this, the antics that have followed him. As he's gotten older, I, I've definitely seen a more mature uh, uh, guy than the guy jumping in the middle of the, the lunch table in Florida State screaming, you know, fucker and pussy. Um, and he, I think he's grown into himself a lot more. Now with Cam Newton, he's a great quarterback. The thing that scares me is what is he made of? Is he made of glass? Is he made of like a flexible polycarbonate substance that could break, but is still kind of helpful? together um uh, you know that's a tough one to say but i if i was a team right now if like let's just say i was the gm of the jets and and sam darnold i don't know caught mono again from another hooker or what you know and and he was done forever and i had to go right now in the free agency and i see the quarterbacks that are available between these two specifically i think i would sign winston you know what? I, I, I agree with that. That's my that's stand on it. And, you, you know, Chris, I, 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 think, I think you're absolutely right. Because here's the thing. As you know, I love quarterbacks. I love talking about quarterbacks, as you know. And when I look at these two quarterbacks, Chris, I, what I did was I took their best year they had in the league. Cam's best year in the league was 2015. He was the league MVP. And James's best year was last year. I think we, could, I think we both can agree on, on, on that point. So, like I say, you gave some of the great numbers there, you know, for both of these guys. But the thing is, Chris, what is the, you know, there's one thing, there's a couple of things I'm big on with quarterbacks. One is attempts. And the other's completion percentage. Here's the reality, Chris. I took out 2019 for Cam Newton because I heat two games is not enough of a of a barometer. So let's just say eight seasons that he's been a starter. Chris, do you know how many seasons he's thrown 60 percent or better completion percentage? Uh, Cam Newton. Yes. Um. Let's see here. Uh, one season actually, two seasons, according to my notes. Three. Okay, all right. So I might, I might have, might have missed one. Yeah, it's 
three out of eight seasons, he's thrown the ball better than 60%. And, and you make points, Chris, like your team matters. It does. But what I also say, Chris, is that it also would help if you get the ball to your receiver. That kind of helps too. I can't call the receiver yeah, trash. That's that's a very beneficial point. Yeah, exactly. And I say I can't call the receivers trash if the guy can't get the ball. It's like it's like one some of those XFL games. Like some of those dudes were just garbage. Like <laughs> it's like that was like backyard football. Like see, I want to get into that. But here's the thing: I'm big on completion percentage. Jameis, listen, for the last five years of his career, he's thrown 60%. The thing is, Chris, is that I want to back up to the point you talked about. Listen, I knew when Cam was drafted, Chris, he was a project. Because when Cam came out, the biggest reason why I say he was a project, Chris, was simply because can he handle the pressure? Chris, he was used to winning. He was used to having success. And all of a sudden, he goes to a team, I think at that time was 1-15. in 15. They were bad. And, and um, like the first year, all I kept seeing Chris was his head was down. And I said, he's got to be a leader. People are watching him. I've said, my thing with Cam Newton, Chris, is not only just the completion percentage, Chris, like you say, it's, it's, it's the personality. I just don't think teams, if he was, if both were healthy, I would take Jameis simply because of the fact that Cam can't get you the ball in eight years. Like I say, I completely took out 2019, Chris. Three years, he could not get the ball to anybody 60% of the time. Name a job in the world where you keep, where you're, you're successful, where if you work at a company eight years and you fall underneath your numbers, Five out of eight years. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, I I work in a in a career field where numbers play a very significant factor into the um, uh, willingness to keep your job. And yeah, at that kind of fail rate, I don't know a lot of or, or any anything in general. If you were uh, um, a phlebotomist, and if you failed, you know, 40% of the time or 50% of the time to effectively hit a, a, a vein to draw blood from, I don't, I don't think they would keep you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, but here we are, uh, you know, bitching about a guy that makes millions of dollars a year, uh, who's not doing it. I mean, his, you know, but you know, and then again, I wonder what that, with that completion percentage issue, how much, of it was based off of injury. You know, he's had what, a back surgery, a foot surgery. He was involved in that, uh, that auto accident. He overturned an SUV or something like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that really factored into his, if you can't plant your foot properly, if you can't square your shoulders up, I think those basic mechanics that you and I learned playing football in city leagues at 11 and 12 years old, Mm-hmm. Even in the NFL, as, as as much practice as a professional athlete is, if you can't do those things consistently, I think that's what turns uh, players bad, to be honest with you. And I think that's what happened with Cam Newton. 
You know, and, and you know what, Chris? You know, that's fair. That's a very fair point. But here, here's my biggest thing with Cam. It's always been with Cam. It's always been about me personally. All I hear is excuses. Like, it, it's the thing with Cam Newton is, is, is that when I hear people talk about defending Cam Newton, well, you know, I'm talking football, not off the field, football. Well, he's never got receivers. He's never had a running game. Chris, you know who else didn't have a running game or, you know, know, who didn't have great receivers when they came out? Russell Wilson. Yeah, (laughs) that son of a bitch doesn't want a Super Bowl. (laughs) I said, Russell Russell Wilson didn't have. Chris, that guy felt like he was running a track meet every week. (laughs) It felt like that guy was just running for his – he was running like someone – he was running like Jason Voorhees was behind him every play. Yeah, so, I mean that's that that's a very valid point. And I'm like, and, and but yet, Chris Russell Wilson was drafted in 2012. You know how many years he's thrown under 60 percent? Ah, enlighten me. It, the answer is it's zero times any number. <laughs> All right, <laughs> right so, between lines on that one. <laughs> it's like it's it's, it's folks. Okay, it's like, oh, he doesn't have receiver. Okay, folks, that's fine. But here's the reality. Cam Newton just can't get to the football. I do- Chris, that's 101. Like, listen, here's an example. You want to know why these dudes get paid millions? Like, listen, I talked about Nick Foles. You know why Nick Foles got much money, maybe too much money? You know why? Because he, he, was a comp- he had a great completion percentage. That was a factor. Like, it's simple. If you cannot, if you look at elite quarterbacks, Chris, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Sixty-five percent, given how many passes now in today's NFL you throw, Chris, I think sixty-five percent is more, more than fair of a number. It's it's just like in baseball where now the new norm is forty to fifty. The new norm is like forty home runs, where it no. used to, used to be thirty, like. The point is, is that, and my, and my, to wrap up the point here about these dudes. Listen, you know who else was drafted in the same year that uh, Cam Newton was, and we, and it's a dude that we've kind of semi-ripped on this show. Andy Dalton. Uh, yeah, I said Andy Dalton the same year, Chris. He's had six out of the nine seasons where he's thrown sixty percent or better. And listen, I don't recall him having A.J. Green being hurt a lot of times. So, once again, I circle the point, Cam. It's At some point, it's we can blame the tools, but sometimes we can blame, you know, who, you know who's holding the tool. The mechanic, the yep. carpenter, at some point. And, 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 and with that, you know, this is what I think. I'm going to start with Cam. You mentioned need versus want, Chris. It reminds me like that, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like the things that you need. Not a lot of teams need quarterbacks. Because somehow, somehow the Jaguars Shanghai the Bears. I'm not going to get into that either. But, so now it kind of took away the quarterback market. So now these are going to be teams that want a quarterback, but they're not going to spend a lot of money. 
or they don't have the you know the draft picks or they're you know they feel like it's a luxury not a necessity and like i know i know last week when i said jordan loved to the packer i know you probably fell out your chair i apologize but <laughs> but where i think cam's going to go or, or where i think he should go I, I i want you to think about it before you know the guffaws start to happen the denver broncos That's not completely on. Uh, I mean, that's not completely unreasonable to be honest with you. Because because it's two reasons. Is John Elway really sold on Drew Locke? Did did no. we see, did we see anything last year that said Ah Drew Locke's going to be our guy? Or no, yet, no, absolutely. And also, John Elway he likes big quarterbacks. Ken Newton is six five two forty five. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a big some bitch. I mean, there is no, no no arguing that. Because remember, this is the same John Elway that drafted Paxton Lynch, who exactly, folks, who's like six six, and drafted Brock Osweiler, who basically, ah, Jesus, the luckiest guy I've ever seen. But anyway, <laughs> but so I think Cam to the Broncos makes sense now. Now Jameis is interesting. I had to think of a team that I felt obviously didn't need a quarterback, but they didn't have the cap space. To, you know, not say the cap space, but they're not looking for it now because they're good now, but what about two years? And I think that this could work, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, Big Ben, I think, is at the, uh, at the, end, of his, at the end of his rope. I think that he's 38 and he's injury prone. Jameis takes a two-year deal, Chris. He's not even 30. Yeah. You, you can still get another maybe decade out of Jameis Winston. Where, if you look at it, because remember, Pittsburgh traded their first-round pick to Miami to get Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's true. So, so Pittsburgh's like, maybe they could have snuck in and got a quarterback. Well, they went and got, they invested in defense. And and I also, for a bonus, I invested in Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton, I think, my opinion, should go to Miami. I think he should go to Miami for this reason. I think that whoever whoever Miami drafts, depending on what boards you're looking at, I don't think they're going to be in the biggest rush to throw Tua or Herbert out there. Because I think, Chris, the model is that you got to sit these guys. Remember Carson Palmer sat behind John Kitna like three years yep. in Cincinnati? Like, and and you know, that's the one smart thing Marvin Lewis ever did in his life. That was it. Everything else he did after that was just like throwing darts at a wall. Yeah, but he, well, and, and you know what? There are, look, look, you know, and then you have success stories like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. At least sat out behind, you Brett know, Favre. Brett Favre. And are out outright studs. I I think that's a huge part of the developmental process for quarterbacks. Uh, is that they got to kind of if you throw them right into the into the fire. I mean, there's always that that circumventing of trial by fire. Mm-hmm. But I think in some cases you throw them in, and they're just not equipped for it. And I think Cam Newton, as much as as many great things as Cam has done, I think it all also falls back on on the the. Uh, the the failures is that mentally I don't think he was equipped to try to step up and be a leader of the team 
the quarterback is essentially he's the general manager of the team. He, you have your head coach on the sideline and and your OCs and DCs and your your team general manager and you know and your Jerry Joneses and things like that. But your quarterback, I think, is on that executive level management staff that the head coach and those guys are on because those players are looking up to him, saying, "Okay, you're essentially calling the ball," you know, for you know half the team. What are we what are we doing? Tell me what to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think leadership, a lot of it, I think, is is embedded in the people. I think people are, are you have natural born leaders. Mm-hmm. I agree and, with that. And I then agree. you have natural born followers. And then there are a lot of people that are in that limbo who, who are, are groomed to be leaders or groomed to be uh managers or or whatever and then others just don't cut it out and i think cam is on that cusp where i think he can do it um but i i he he needs a supporting he needs a supporting cast and he just needs to to get get out of his own head i again i i think he's his own worst enemy mentally because like you said he had that easy street in college and then got to the nfl and it's a whole other ball game yeah and 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 you know the one I think I think we had a great discussion one episode about quarterbacks and leadership. I, and I think that was one of the best. All these episodes are great, but that was one of the best episodes we did because Chris, you have to look at the you have to look at sports in that mentality. And and one of the things is Chris is that it's like what I said about Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles was drafted because he looked like a quarterback from the neck down, but he was not a quarterback from the neck up. If you can't do it from the neck up, Chris, I don't care how good you look at a in a uniform. If you can't, you can't do it. So, but speaking yeah, of things, so speaking of things, you know, that can't be done or done, you know, I want to get to a new segment on on the show. You know, it's Chris's corner Brown's big picture. So, so Chris, I'll let you kick off. You know, and, and these are going to be about things that you know we talk about. And for the record, quick disclaimer, folks, it's sports and the world. So. Let's don't get butt hurt. It's, I, feel, I feel like that principal in high school has to tell people, like, like let's calm it down. And <laughs> and Chris, I'll let you kick it off. So first and foremost, um, I uh, I made a very adult purchase uh, two weeks ago. I bought one of those uh, Casper mattresses, the the whole bed in the box thing. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, God. Damn, that thing is comfortable to sleep on. <laughs> if if anybody is in the need of a mattress and and you're not afraid to pony up some coin, take, take your ass to your local Casper store in the mall or if they've got a freestanding store in your neighborhoods or get on their website, Casper.com. Now, mind you, they're not pitching this or definitely not sponsoring us in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but... I uh, so I went out and I bought this Casper Wave mattress. This is like their Cadillac model of of mattresses. And so what they are, if you don't know, Ladarius or people out in the uh, uh, in the general public, is it's a memory foam mattress that comes in a box. So this thing should be shipped to your home if you buy it online. And it's like vacuum sealed and rolled up. So you got to unroll this damn thing, puncture the plastic, air gets in, the foam naturally starts reacting with the air and I don't want to say it inflates but for a a visual picture 
we'll just say it inflates. Okay. Um, so th- this one I got, it's it's a memory foam with this gel cooling. I don't even have to. No, so number one, shout out to the girl that was in the Casper store locally to me because I, this, this bitch could have said it sleeps like shit and it's hard as a rock. And I would have been like, all right, let me get it. She was so fine. So shout out to her, number one, um, because she's, she could have sold shit to, an, uh, to a dog or ice to an Eskimo, and people would have bought it because she was just, she was an attractive little lady. Unfortunately, she did not come with a bed, frowned. Um, I was hoping for that accessory, yeah. but, well, we all can't get what we want. Yeah, that's the downside. Um, that was the downside. Yeah, but, but let me tell you, I know this is, again, it's sports and the world, so if you people need a mattress, hop on board the Casper train. Um, the, so I've had it, like I said, for two weeks, I've got chronic back pain. I've got the four herniated discs that are beat to hell and then just life in general. And, um, I, I look forward to getting in bed at night now. Uh, I wake up, I don't have back pain. I don't toss and turn at night. Um, I stay cool, sweat. Um, I, I, I get a sound, sound sleep compared to my old mattress. So if you need a mattress, Casper.com, go see your local dealers. However, if you deal online or you have to order something, fair warning, their customer service does suck. They're not the brightest group in the in, in the crayon box, but it's still worth it. I think I paid all said and done. I bought mine, like I said, at the store. I bought the mattress. Um, they ended up, this lady literally up, sold me a fucking pillow in a set of sheets and out the door I think I was at like 20 2200 bucks they're they're doing it this 20% off thing right now uh, on all their mattresses so out the door it was like 2300 bucks I think with everything just the mattress itself was 2275 I want to say before any discounts or anything like that so go go check them out if you need one um the other thing I wanted to touch on in in my little corner is the word irony. We're going to talk about irony for a second. So I was reading articles, um, and naturally people that know me, they know how I lean politically, so there's, you can call it bias or however you want to call it. Um, Their irony. So I get my news source. Everyone thinks that I just sit home and watch Fox News 22 hours a day. You're wrong. I do get other media outlets. It's 21 hours a day, people. Come on, get your shit straight. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I look at AP articles. I look at the, you know, every once in a while I get on CNN, um, you know, and then like NPR, things like that. So why I'm bringing up irony is that one of the most hottest topics in in the U.S. year-round, whether it's a coronavirus or whether it's a just a typical Tuesday afternoon in the political agenda season um, is gun ownership. And why I want to say with gun ownership and irony is certain people in our government and a certain political party made it sound like you could get online and order an AK-47 like you could order a video game from GameStop or a, 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 a bed sheet set from Amazon, that you can just go online and click buy now, and then this beautiful AK-47 or AR-15 or MAC-10 or Bazooka or whatever other weird shit these people think that you can buy online. 
and all these loopholes and all these other things that people say, oh, it's so easy to buy a gun. Well, due to the coronavirus and people's idiosyncrasies and panic-stricken mindsets um, that they need to go out and go buy a gun now because they think the world's ending. Um, well, A, the world's not ending. More people die by the flu per year. More people died with the H1N1 uh, flu. But I understand I'm not downplaying this whole coronavirus thing. But you got people in California. So I was reading this article on NPR that there were numerous arrests for um, uh, acts of, oh, oh, what's the damn word? Now, you know, of course, I'm trying to pick it back up online. My my computer's just sitting in la-la land. Extor- like extortion and bribery. That people are, so like the state of California, for example, if you don't have a concealed weapons permit or a gun permit in general, uh, um you have a 10-day waiting period. So if you, Ladarius, were a California, because you don't have, do you have your Florida carry permit? Uh, do I have a gun permit, you know? Yeah, do you, do you got a carry permit for Florida? I do not. All right, so uh, so just in case you don't know, I'll, I'll kind of educate you and, and, the, and the public on that. So in the state of Florida, um, if you don't have a gun permit and you want to buy a handgun, they have what's called a three-day cool-off period. Mm-hmm. So they have three businesses to deny, not like the gun shop itself, but the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, which is the most senior law enforcement agency in Florida, has three days to say yes or no to this handgun purchase. Um, I know with like shotguns and long rifles, you could walk into a store, they'll do a background check, and you will be able to walk out that day with one. Um, but on handguns, you have a uh, t- uh, three-day period. Now, in the beautiful state of California, the masses willingly and happily voted for a 10-day period for all firearm purchases, not just handguns, but all of them. Now, they called this a reasonable safety precaution at it doesn't violate constitutional rights because it says you can't own a gun. It's just that it's going to take 10 days longer than, uh, than what you should for buying one. So now in California, of course, which has been deeply impacted by the coronavirus, people are panicking. They're buying toilet paper and chicken and steaks. And all of a sudden, all these people that said, I don't need a gun. Guns are ewey and guns are bad and no one should ever have one. All, all of a sudden, these ironic fucking hypocrites are running head over heels to stores like Bass Pro and Cabela's and Academy and whatever other you know big gun shops they got out there in California or independent dealers. You know, all these people that they wanted to shut down a few months ago, all of a sudden now have a line out their door longer than the release for the uh, new set of Jordans. And the irony of this is that these people voted for all of these laws to be put in place. And then now because these people refuse to break the law, they're up in arms. They're like, well, this, this isn't right. This isn't fair. What am I going to do? What if I buy a gun and in eight days from now, you guys shut down and I can't get it. And the world ends and the apocalypse comes and, and I have to fight off coronavirus zombies, you know, uh, the, the irony of this, 
I can't tell you honestly how much it warms my heart. It really, and I don't wish ill will on people, but I'm a very firm believer in natural selection and Murphy's law and then just like karma. And I don't, I'm not going to get on here and say, you know, all these people that voted for this, I hope something happens. Cause I, 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 I don't, I really don't hope that. But at the end of the day, if something does happen, these people have no one to blame but themselves. Now, do I believe in background checks? 100%. Do I believe in cool-down periods? You know what? I The, the Florida one, the three-day period, I, I'm okay with that. Um, for 10 days, I think that's outright batshit crazy. And then also that you can only buy one gun every 30 days in the state of California. Um, I think that's also pretty batshit crazy, too, especially with states like california who lead the country in in homicide by firearm but it's so hard to get one so the again the irony of that um i just the 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 hypocrisy of it i just it blows my mind is that so number one i also uh, i advocate that if you're out panic buying a gun you probably shouldn't have one because if you feel that all the bad shit that goes on in the world on a daily basis rapes armed robberies, home invasion, gang violence, drug deals, um, people just losing their shit and just fucking killing people because they just wake up and that and that's the day that they finally snap. Of all the things that have gone on in the world, if you think that's some fucking virus, some, some virus that has already gone through two times in the United States in the past 20 years, if you think that this is the reason why you should have a gun, I'm almost at a point where I'm like, that worries me because that's one more idiot that shouldn't have a gun, have a gun. Now, I'm a very firm believer, as you know, and and people that know me, I'm a very firm believer of the Second Amendment. And I'm a very firm believer on it. it, It's in black and white and we should not have all, all these restrictions on it. But what worries me is that you get these panic stricken idiots that are out trying to buy a gun and now trying to buy one illegally by trying to force these gun shows or excuse me, gun shops to waive the 10-day period and waive the background checks and and all of these things that they thought that you could do that you could it's essentially like going to McDonald's. Like me and you roll up to the McDonald's and we're like, yeah, let me get a number two and a number three large size with a Coke and a Dr. Pepper. They honestly thought that was what it's like going online and buying a gun or going into a gun shop and buying a gun. So the fact that they see how strange it really is and they're so fucking mad about it. I love it. I don't wish ill will, but I'm happy to see that people are finally getting a little taste of, of the irony of it and actually seeing that it's not as easy as people think that it is to buy a gun. So let this be a lesson to everyone that if, if you're if you're afraid and you feel that you have the need to defend yourself, which every one of us do that are United States citizens, if you were in this country and you are in a u.s citizen you have the right to defend yourself and you have the constitutional right to have a gun but if you're going to buy one number one don't buy it based out of fear buy it out of the need and the desire to have one and then go and get training there i see many of my friends on facebook that offer free training they'll take you to the range and they're all experts from the military field law enforcement um numerous other people that have different types of firearm training that essentially say, I'll take you to the range 
you buy the ammo, I'll train you. Um, I've even done it with, with friends of mine that have been unsure about firearms. I've taken to the range. Just let them get a feel for it. Let them, you know, bust a couple boxes of rounds down range, get them comfortable, and then work on, on the essentials from there. Um, but if you're going to go out and go buy one, please, if you're going to use it, if you're going to if you're going to talk about using it, you better have the intention because if you pull a gun on someone that has bad intentions and you're too much of a coward to pull the trigger, you just gave a free gun to a bad guy that will go do bad shit. So please don't do that around me. Um, number two, get trained, get educated, and then number three for the people that are panic stricken and and wanting people to break the law, karma sucks and it's a bitch. And that's my corner. And that's the CBS Evening News. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> but, you, you know, but, you know, I think a lot of what you said before we, we wrap up is, is that I, I think, Chris, it's about being smart and logical. I think that no matter I, I think no matter what political affiliation people are, because personally, I'm independent. I voted Democrat. I voted Republican. I don't vote for party I vote for common sense I vote for logic because I I don't like to put a group of people in a box I'll put it that way but when it comes to issues for the most part some of them are very straightforward and I think Chris what you talked about is training it's important you shouldn't do anything in panic especially buy a gun because if you start, because if you're buying a gun now, like, like I, I understand like the world we live in. I'm not gonna get into that soapbox, but the one thing I always stress people is use logic. Be smart, because at the end of the day, for the most part, your decision affects other people's decisions, whether you know it or not. If that if that Absolutely. makes any, if that makes any sense, it's just that the decision that you make. If you want to go, listen. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the Second Amendment. Always stress the people is, is that listen, be smart. I just say be be smart because I'm not saying you have to be Harvard smart. Just be smart in the decisions that you make, because like I say, the decisions you make today will affect tomorrow. And I say that on every level of life because there, I, I guarantee you, Chris, there's been examples in our lives where we can say we made a decision. And it affected not just the decision that we made that day, but it probably affected the next five years. Oh, absolutely. At 100%. And, and I stress with people with, you know, thinking of them, but I tell people, just be smart. Just be smart. And speaking of being smart, you know, I did a smart thing. I got rid of Twitter for the, for the page, for the podcast, because I didn't see any traction. So I went, I, I, I squashed it. So I started a blog. So every Monday, I'll be posting a blog. Maybe Chris will. Maybe I'll talk him into it one week. And and we just post about just different subjects that we can't talk. Not say can't talk about here, but you know needs further, you know further explanation. Like the first one is up now. You go to Tumblr and you go to Sports in the World. I talked about Dak Prescott and how much money he's worth, how much he should get. So if you go to Tumblr, Sports in the World, you can check that out. So it should be up every Monday, the goal for that. And to listen to this episode and every episode of Sports in the World, you go to Facebook, go to the About tab, click the About tab, hit the link, listen to this episode and every episode, and can go to Instagram, 
to at Sports the World. And at the end of this episode, you're going to hear the tournament announcement. So looking forward to that as well. I think I've checked all the boxes. Chris's corner became Chris's condominium, I think, is what happened there. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, yeah, it's good. You know, I, I like that. So what I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Browns big picture, that will be the blog post for the that'll be the blog post for the podcast this week. Will be for so look for that post on Monday. So once again, go to Facebook. Leave your thoughts and comments and questions if you have as well. Same thing for Instagram at Sports in the World, and we'll try to answer them. And 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 like I said, your thoughts are always appreciated here. And speaking of appreciation, we thank you for your time for here at Sports in the World. And until we hear and see you again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed here from Sports and the World. See ya! Hello, one and all. It's me, Ladarius, here from Sports and the World. And on behalf of Chris and myself, we're here to announce a tournament. Since there is no March Madness this year, we're going to do a tournament of sports movies. Now, each day starting Thursday, March 26th, there will be eight football, baseball, basketball, and wildcard movies that will be put out each day starting with eight football movies on Thursday that you the fans will vote on now the more votes it gets the higher seating it gets in the tournament and it's a 32 movie tournament to determine what is the greatest sports movie of all time it will be posted on our social media on Facebook Sports and the World and our Instagram Sports the World. Thank you so much and hope you enjoy and participate in our mini March Madness sports movie tournament here on Sports and the World.